And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. We are so glad you could join us. Turn in your Bibles this morning to Romans chapter 4. Today, verses 9 through 17 will teach us that God's justification of sinners is totally separate and apart from religious rituals and also separate and apart from law-keeping. And with his message is our pastor, Robert Elliott. And verse 9 opens with the words, Is this blessing? We must ask, what blessing? Well, the preceding context tells us, the verses leading up to the first part of verse 9 tell us, us what the blessing is in view here. And the blessing is this, the fact that justification is apart from works. The justification is via God crediting believing Jews the good, and God not crediting believing Jews the bad. And the penetrating question of the rest of verse 9 is essentially this. The penetrating question with respect to the rest of verse 9 is this. Who gets this justification blessing? Only the Jews or the Jews and the Gentiles also? That's the burning question. Who gets the blessing of justification? Only Jews or Jews and Gentiles? That's the burning question. And from this question in verse 9, another important question arises in verse 10. And it's this. When did Abram receive justification, righteousness from God? Precisely when in Abraham's timeline did he receive justification blessing from God? Let's get more specific. Was it before his circumcision or was it after his circumcision? This is important. He received justification blessing before he underwent the rite of circumcision. Before. The last part of verse 10 is blunt. How then is, was it reckoned? Well, he was circumcised or uncircumcised, watch this, not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. Abraham was justified, if you hold your place in Romans 4 and go to Genesis 15, 6, we read this, referring to Abram, Genesis 15, 6, then he, Abram, believed in the Lord and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Okay, that's Genesis 15, 6. Yet Abraham was not circumcised until Genesis 17, 24. Go there. Genesis 17, 24. Now Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. There was 14 years between Genesis 15, 6, declaring that God justified Abraham. 14 years later, Abraham was circumcised in Genesis 17, 24. 14 years between the justification of a believing Abraham and the circumcision of the same man. Now, Abram, Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised. This is important. This cuts across Jewish pride. And when you connect the dots 
Abraham was justified by God totally apart from the religious ritual of circumcision. So are we. We are justified by God totally apart from any religious ritual we could do. We are justified before God before we are water baptized as believers, at least we should be. And we are justified before we take communion for the first time as a born-again believer. And as circumcision was an outer sign of an already completed reality of justification for believing Jews, so believers' baptism and communion are also to be outer signs of already completed justification of believers, be they Jew or Gentile, in this church age. Jesus only left us two ordinances. Believers' baptism, to make visible what has happened to us invisibly in salvation, buried with him through baptism into death, raised to walk in newness of life, and the Lord's Supper. Monthly we come to the table to remember the cost of our salvation, to remember the sinless life of Jesus in the bread and the atoning shed blood of Jesus in the cup. People aren't to participate in these two ordinances until they're already justified by faith in Christ. As circumcision is powerless to save, so water baptism and communion are powerless to save. And as circumcision was a confirmation of the old covenant, so water baptism and communion are confirmations of a new covenant. More specifically, water baptism is the sign of a changed status. And communion is a sign of a changed relationship. And all of this argues that our wonderful Father God justifies believers, be they Jew or Gentile, apart from religious rituals. Now, I encourage you to watch this. Abraham is the spiritual father of all who believe, not of all who are circumcised. Let me illustrate like some with wedding rings are not married. I heard of some woman who wore a wedding ring to keep guys away from dating her when she was single. Like some with wedding rings are not married, some who are circumcised are not right with God. Let me say that again. Like some with wedding rings are not married, some who are circumcised are not right with God. And like some without wedding rings turn out to actually be married, some who are not circumcised are, in fact, right with God through Christ. You see, the ring isn't the reality, and the religious ritual isn't the reality either. You see, the reality is bigger than the marriage ring. Salvation and justification are way bigger than circumcision or believer's baptism or the Lord's Supper. And so, so far we're seeing that justification is not only apart from our works and apart from our religious rituals, but third point in your outlines, justification is also apart from law-keeping. Justification is apart from law-keeping. Verses 13 to 17. For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be heir of the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise is nullified. For the law brings about wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason, it is by faith that it might be in accordance with grace, in order that the promise may be certain to all 
the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, a father of many nations have I made you. In the sight of him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. Oh yes, justification is apart from law keeping. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas, and I serve as a youth pastor here at Calvary Bible Church. And today we want to just have a, a talk on what we see right now as we look around and we're getting into that Christmas spirit and the Christmas time. And, you know, the thing about it is what I'm seeing is we're becoming more and more like the United States. Where after you see October 31st hit, November 1st, Christmas decorations go up. People want to put the Christmas trees. People want to, you know, toy lines are open at Kelly's. And it's like everything is now Christmas. That's because we have just gotten so caught up in the commercializing of Christmas and we see all these things. So people want to make money and they want to bank on that and they want to do all they can to make sure that people get in this Christmas mind because Christmas has lost its meaning in a sense. It's all about how much money can I make? And today we want to look at a, a short passage of scripture in, in God's word to, to help us and, and to understand that as we think and, and again as we look ahead to the month of December, let us not get so caught up in all the activities, but let us understand that why we celebrate Christmas. And so in, in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, it says this, While they were traveling, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, and she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice and it will not be taken away from her. You see this, as we think of this passage, we can look at this and we can see how these two ladies are, are, are talking and how one is so caught up and she's so busy. As we think of verse 40, it says, But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, and she came up and asked. And you see, this is where we need to understand something. Because I think that as we get into the month of, before we get into December, we need to understand that we should not get so caught up that we miss our Savior. We miss Christ. We miss what Christmas is all about. It's not about all the school functions, not about the church functions, it's about Christ. And I think too many times this is what happens. We just get busy. And for a lot of us, people don't like Christmas because of all the busyness of it and, you know, all the family get-togethers and when are you going to have time for yourself? And basically, you're just tired. But we see here, Mary had the right idea. As verse 39 says, she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. You see, we need to understand as the Word of God tells us that we need to be still and know that he is God. We need to understand that as Mary, we need to sit at the Lord's feet and listen, not allow ourselves to get so distracted that we miss what God has for us. You know, when we consider our lives and we look around us, we get so distracted, so 
um, caught up in everything that we've, we don't have time for ourselves. We don't have time to spend time in God's Word. We don't have time to, to do the things that God would want us to do because we are so caught in so many different directions. And when I consider in my own life, when I consider Christmas, you know, again, sometimes we want it to hurry up and end because of so many things, the busyness. And we just forget about why we celebrate Christmas. You see, so many times as we look at this time of year, let us not forget that without the Christ, we would not celebrate Christmas. We have made it the commercial holiday. We've made it all about that. And in fact, as we even think of what we're going to be celebrating this week, as we as Bahamians look at it, Thanksgiving, you know, let us pause and give thanks for what God has done for us. Let us not get so caught up in all the other things of, of the Christmas season. Because we need to recognize, just as even the United States, in some cases, people have even said, so what about Thanksgiving? Because people have just started on November the 1st into Christmas till December 25th. So I want to challenge you that you would not be a Martha. That you would not be so worried, that you would not be so upset, that you would not get so caught up in all the things that you miss what God is trying to do in your life. But that you'd be in, be like Mary, sitting at the feet, waiting to hear from God, waiting to do whatever you can for Him, and not allow yourself to get pulled in so much different direction that you miss what the Savior is trying to say. So, as we start this series, as we start this time of year, this season, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking more at, at the Christmas story. But as we get started, I don't want us to... Be so busy that we miss what the Lord is trying to say to us because it gets so easy to get busy doing absolutely nothing. And now today's personal God story. Good morning, all those out there in Radio Land. My name is Rudy Williams, and this is a brief testimony of a little of my life and how I came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I remember being in my late 20s Also, I was part of a motorcycle gang that went around the island looking for parties, hanging out, smoking and drinking, especially the big cold 45 more liquor beers that were popular back in the day. I was very popular with a lot of the finer women in society and the schools. I wasn't a Christian at the time, obviously. I was dating one of the top collect model women in the country at the time. A girl that was so fine that uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, most people said she was an 11. She had Colombian roots and she looked like uh, one of the girls on the Ice T cover, cover album. I remember this vividly because um, being influenced by the rap culture back in the day, we tried to idolize these uh, so-called rap moguls. And with no mother or father, the rap moguls became our parents in a, so in a sense. The music made us feel good and gave us a sense of false hope. The music possessed our mind with demonic influence. There were a lot of fast women, fast cars, immoral living, 
but sweet lyrics, but no mention of God. You wonder today how Satan impacts young kids. This is why I mentioned this, this, this rap music and these scenarios to you today for something, just something for you to think about. I would stay out all hours of night with these women and my friends. I had motorbikes, sports cars. It was like I was in a trance. So much women, so much fun, always on the go, never at home for long periods. I didn't do any chores, only came home to eat and sleep. At the time, I had dreadlocks, rope chains, a ring on every finger, gold rings, gold bracelets, watches. Just how they wrapped mogul's dress, I would dress and present myself as well. After a period of time, I became lonely and confused after the death of my brother, Peter Albury, my half-brother. He was also my so-called partner in crime, so to speak. Um, I got locked up for 1.8 grams of Indian hemp and spent five days remanded in custody. The police knocked me off my motorbike doing 50 miles an hour on the way home, and I went through a chain link fence, cut my side and destroyed my bike, but I was alive. Soon after that, my brother Peter shot a lady and turned the gun on himself. It was the first time I ever cried as a man. I was laying down with my girlfriend at my side, staring up at the ceiling, searching and saying to myself, I've got to change my life. Listening to cable TV one day, I heard John Hagee preaching from, the, from Paul's epistles. And he was basically saying in layman terms, free fornication and give no place to the devil. I didn't understand this at the time because I was a Catholic and only knew about sermons and what the priest would say about a sermon. Anyway, the sex made me feel better for a time. Then guiltiness would set in. Then to fulfill that or replace that void, we would smoke or drink just to feel good again. No fulfillment of the spirit, so there was always a void, a yearning that made me start searching for God. Once again, Hagee's message kept flooding in my mind. Flee fornication. I decided, let me start with that. So I told my girlfriend, no more sex. My girlfriend began to sneak around with another man. She said she loved me. I would stay with you even if you were in a wheelchair. Anyway, this, it explained to me and showed me the power of sex and relationship without having love. I decided to begin reading my Bible or picking up tracks from um, chick publications on um, how to read the Bible and little stories and cartoons and stuff that attracted my mind at the time. I read them over and over again and started to feel a warm feeling inside and peacefulness. 
It was like God was drawing me in as I read these words. Later on, I made a confession of faith and walked down the aisle at Calvary Bible Church, and I gave my heart to Jesus. In that preceding week, I had a vision of a bright light come down on at me as I was reading my Bible, and I was afraid and shivering, and the heat was intense as it drew closer and closer to me, and I was afraid, so I cried out for God and asked him to help me. After the encounter that night, I got up the next morning down on my knees praying, and actually it was a Sunday morning. I dropped my grandmother to church that morning at a Catholic church, and the Lord told me not to go into church with her today, but to go on Markey Street and find another church. So I went to uh, a church, and I couldn't get inside because all the kids were coming down for Sunday school. So I drove further up the street to another church, which was Calvary Bible Church. And when I got into the church, Pastor Lee was preaching on the verse that I read that night and was confused about because I didn't understand the Bible. And he was explaining it totally right there on the pulpit. Right away, I decided that this was home and the place that I needed to be. I went up to the altar after the altar call was given and I asked for prayer. And Paul Lowe, a friend of mine from Calvary Bible Church that would meet me and talk with me, um, stood there with me in support. I never forgot that. Paul and I would meet every Sunday morning after, just him and I, in a Sunday, Sunday school room that was provided by Calvary Bible Church. And he would take me through the scriptures and give me books to read and follow along. I look back on my friends and the gang, I guess, that I used to hang out with. And I just looked at uh, each one of these individuals. Some were in jail. Some had passed. Some had AIDS. One was in Sandlands. I was thankful to God for opening my eyes and saving me before I went down that path. In essence, I look back at it all and realize now I owe everything to God. God pursued me. He saved me. And now I'm a son of the King of Kings. My home is in his kingdom, which is now my home, and it could be your home as well. I hope this message, while not um, drawing too much attention to myself, would just be uh, something for you to ponder and think about how God pursues us, no matter what state of life we are in, and how God um, reaches us even when we seem like we are unreachable. Many people are stuck in a situation of uh, shocking up and... Um, sweethearting, hanging out with gangs and um, calling, calling yourself men but not really taking on the responsibility that men should because a man, you know, shouldn't be hanging around in bar rooms and drinking and smoking and hanging out but 
should be doing the things that man was intended to do, to take care of his family, to work, to pay your bills, to pay your tithes. And the important thing is um, also as a young man to, to look and pursue a good godly woman. I thank God uh, once again for Calvary Bible Church, for me not having a mother and father and being a kind of a um, isolationist. I got into a lot of problems, um, but people reached out, got into my face in the church, provided me with work, with um, support, encouragement, and I'm here today still fighting the, the, the battles of life. But you know, without Calvary Bible Church and with God's impartation in my life, I would be just as my friends were and are today. So I just hope that uh, this message would um, reach one person and they would make a commitment for Jesus Christ. Because you could look at the way the world is going today. ISIS, rap stars, selling their souls to Satan. And so, so many young people influenced by music and following the lifestyles of these uh, individuals. Sex is um, any, everywhere and anywhere at your fingertips. And sometimes you may think it's free, but what it actually causes you is your mind. And once the mind is possessed or taken by these um, influences, the body eventually follows. So I just want to thank you for the opportunity. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.